Trigger warning, this podcast may not be suitable for all listeners. Some of the topics that may be talked about is violence, rape, murder, and offenses against children. Listener discretion is advised. What's up everybody welcome back to my true crime podcast this is unhinged anatomy of a crime with Brittany. today i'm going to be discussing the case of keith beller it is a special case and i do have a special guest here with me my brother damien hello everybody he was very good friends like best friends with Keith so he just is joining me today to kind of talk about some like personal things about Keith. June 6, 2011 I'm sure started off as any other day for Keith. He woke up, kissed his wife and his baby goodbye and went to work and at around 7 45 that morning Keith witnessed a two-vehicle wreck. So he called it in and pulled in behind them. Before he could even get out of the car, the driver of one of the vehicles got out and shot Keith through the windshield. Jason Eggenberg was the suspect's name. And right after he shot Keith, he turned the gun on himself. Keith was rushed to Vanderbilt Hospital for treatment of his wounds, but unfortunately the injuries were too severe. Keith passed the following day on June 7th just about five or just five days before he was going to turn 28. So we'll just start off with, do you remember? I know you remember where you were when you got the phone call. Yeah. Um, I was married to my ex-wife and, um, her mother lived with us at the time and I was asleep and I got woken up by her maybe, eight o'clock in the morning and we always charged our cell phones in the kitchen and she woke me up she's like hey you need to call your sister I'm like okay well hand me my phone and so still basically asleep I call and a guy answers and I'm like no clue who it was at first and he's like hey what are you doing I was like I literally just woke up and he was like well man I hate for this to be how you woke up and I still and it sounded like your other brother Tracy so my first initial thought was something happened to your dad. And I was like, well, what's going on? And he's like, hold on. And he was like, uh, I hate for this to be the way you get woken up, but Keith's been shot in the head. And I remember um, I sat straight up and I was like, I don't know if you allow language on your podcast or not, Brittany, but I sat straight up and I go, are you fucking with me? And he's like, man, I wish I was. And then I realized who I was talking to. I was talking to my other best friend, Josh, and he's like, no, man, I'm, I'm dead serious. And so I jumped up and I, I threw on the clothes I had on the day before and I raced to the hospital in Dixon, you know, got into the emergency room and I was like, I, I need to know where Keith Beller's at. And they're like, oh, he's already been, you know, life flighted to Vanderbilt. I'm like, okay, so I, you know, I, 
hustle back home. And at this point, I hadn't even called my wife yet, my ex-wife. And I call her as soon as I get home. I'm like, and I tell her everything that's happened. And she's like, okay, I'm on my way home. And just a few minutes later, you know, Josh was at the door. He came in and we, you know, we hugged and, and stuff like that. And we didn't know what the hell was going on. And so a few minutes later, you know, my wife got home in like record time. She worked almost an hour away. She was home in like 30 minutes. And so we rushed straight to Vanderbilt and got off the elevator. The very first person I seen was, Keith, was Keith's dad, Ricky. And, you know, I walked up to him, put my arm around him. I was like, how is he? And he immediately breaks down. And he goes, it's not good. Mm. And so, you know, I spent the entire day at Vanderbilt Medical Center. I think we finally left at like three o'clock in the morning. And I remember just a ton of officers from all over ton ton of like firefighters and EMTs and there was news people everywhere and of course a ton of people that I knew was up there and I remember at one point the the doctors wanted to show you know Keith's wife and his parents the x-rays of, of, of Keith's head and kind of explain the different options and his wife wanted me and his other best friend Jacob to be in there with him and so we're going in there and we're looking at these x-rays and the bullet was like still in, in his, in his head. Like it pretty much, it hit him in the front of the head and it stopped right before it came out at the back of his head. Like it was just there. And they pretty much told him there was three possible outcomes. One, they can remove it and he would be fine over time. Two, they remove it and he's a vegetable the rest of his life or three, they remove it and he passes away so they wouldn't really know until they did something right it's one of those one in three chance type things and right. you know i didn't even want to go back there and see him and you know max wife at the time kept telling me you know you need to go back there and see him because if, you know if he doesn't make it you'll regret not going back there right and i put it off and put it off and put it off and i finally went back there and you know, he's hooked up to all these machines and his head's wrapped up and he's laying there. You know, he's got like a breathing tube down his throat and his tongue's kind of hanging out. And his eyes are like half open. Mm. And, you know, his wife's like, you know, just talk to him. You know, just just talk to him. And I'm like, I'm sitting, I was like, I don't know what the hell to say. I'm like, what all do you right. say in this situation? So, you know, I just kind of grabbed his hand. And, you know, I just told him, you know, how proud I was of him and... and Right. And told him, you know, how much I loved him and stuff. Like, he wasn't just a best friend. He was my brother. And, uh... Right. And it was one of those things where, like, you know, you want him to respond in some kind of way by either squeezing your hand or blinking or something. He just... I mean, it was basically like he was already dead. Like, he was just laying there, and those machines were keeping him alive. Right. And so, like I said, we finally left about three o'clock the next morning or that morning. And, um, and I literally laid in bed and just stared up the ceiling. I had my phone in there just waiting for a phone call. And I got up the next morning, went to work and probably about seven thirty that morning. I remember exactly who came and told me it was Josh's sister-in-law came to Walmart 
to, to tell me that he had passed away. And of course, I immediately, uh, I just kind of stepped to the back and, and started bawling my eyes out. And one of the managers there knew what was kind of going on. And she kind of consoled me and stuff and went out to the car. And actually, Mom and Evan were sitting outside. I don't think they had clocked in yet or they may have been on break or something. We all worked together and told them and uh i told him i was like i was like i'm done i was like i gotta go and i, I gave evan my my name badge i was like will you please just clock me out and tell him i'm going home right and after that it's kind of a blur for the rest of that day i mean i don't really remember a whole lot after that from that day anyway right i remember i worked uh, at Walmart too. We all worked at Walmart or the Walmart family. Yeah. <laughs> and um me and Josh Damien's other best friend uh worked in TLE together. Mm-hmm. And he I remember he came up to me shaking and crying and he just grabbed me and I immediately started crying and he was like, It's bad, Britt, it's bad and I, my first thought was, you. I thought something was wrong with you. And I just fucking freaked out. But then, you know, he told me it was Keith. And that was just as terrible. I mean, it was awful. And he was, you know, he told me, like, I got to call Damien. I got to, you know, get in touch with Damien. And it was just the worst feeling ever that day. Richard Keith Beller was born June 12, 1983. He was a very loved son, a brother, a father, a husband, and a friend. To us, he was family. He was my brother's best friend for as long as I can remember. And so I was going to tell some information about Keith, but when I was searching for different things, I ran across a blog that he wrote, so I figured who better to tell you about Keith than Keith. The blog was named Keith and Brandy's Corner, and it read as follows, quote, I am married to my one true love, Brandy, for four years now. I have been in law enforcement since 2004 with the Dixon County Sheriff's Office and serve the community as a patrol deputy. I love my career and would not be happy with any other line of work. Patrol work is where my heart lies with law enforcement. I love being on the front lines, answering the hot call, and keeping my fellow officers safe. There is nothing like a shots fired call in the morning to get you going. I don't know why everybody would not be a police officer, but that's just my view. I'm a Christian, and I'm proud of it. I'm learning about Jesus and God more and more every day, and it's like a craving now that I just can't get enough of. A lot of people don't understand, but I pray one day they will open up to me. What Jesus has done in my life is amazing, and I'm slowly learning to share it with people. I am an avid outdoorsman when I am not with my wife or friends, And I love fishing and boats, so it works out well. There is nothing like skimming over the water at 60 plus, 
looking at what God has created for us or battling five-foot waves to keep us humble and respect the creation, end quote. I just felt like that was so sweet, like, for him, like, that just he wrote that. I just, I didn't even know that that existed. I, I didn't either until you told me right before we started recording. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. I didn't know if you had ever read that before. Not that I can remember. I mean... Whenever he passed away, like, Facebook and, and, and stuff was, was really starting to catch on. And, you know, MySpace was kind of fading out and Facebook was becoming a thing. So, we were all trying to learn about that. And, uh, yeah, I didn't know he had sat down and, and started a blog. I mean, hell, he may have told me way back then. But, you know, that's been 12 years ago. And whenever that was written, probably longer than that. So Yeah. Because he didn't mention his, his son. So, it was obviously before that. Yeah, so actually in January 2010, he made another blog with just a few small updates about his life, and he said that his main goal for the year was to have a child with his wife, and little did he know at that time, he and his wife would welcome a son the next January, so I thought that was sweet. Yeah kind of predicted his own future in a way yeah i thought that was really awesome so it turns out the crash keith rolled up on was actually a domestic dispute one of the drivers of the vehicle kimberly was a 911 dispatcher and she was leaving work she i guess worked the graveyard shift mm-hmm. her estranged husband jason had been I guess he was, like, like following her to, like, try to meet up with her after work. No, uh, from what I could gather, he was following her because of some stuff he had supposedly had found out about some her and a, and a couple of other officers. So he was kind of more or less, in a way, kind of stalking her, I guess. Yeah. So that's what I always heard, too. Um... But it wasn't long after, you know, the shooting, and that's that's kind of when the rumors started to happen, that the wife was maybe seeing a police officer, and there were also rumors that, you know, said police officer and maybe even other law enforcement officers had been, like, bullying and harassing Jason. It was supposedly they were sending text to her to him as well describing things they were doing with his wife and, and all this other stuff and and it had come to light at some point that he himself jason had just been released from like a, a mental ward he mm. was in there for like two or three weeks because of stuff going on with him and his wife and he hadn't been out of there very long and so just for him to be committed you could already kind of tell there was some screws loose up in there, but whether it be something that stemmed from the relationship or stuff that had always kind of been there, but for him to be committed, and I'm sure if there were, you know, if she was messing around, I'm sure people she may or may not have been messing around with probably knew that, and that's why they were taunting and teasing the guy. Right. And so, I mean, none of that I don't think was ever proven, but... Yeah, because didn't Keith's wife, she took them to court. 
Yeah, there was a whole big thing. Um, like, News Channel 5 did a story about it and everything. And, like I said, nothing was ever, like, proven. I think they tried to have, like, phone records pulled. And I don't think they was ever able to. And Yeah, it kind of, like, got brushed under. Kind of. Like, so I don't know if, like... You know, the department may have been covering stuff up, or if it never did happen and it was just rumors that they just couldn't prove weren't or weren't were or were not true. Right. I mean, I've heard stuff that I'm not like allowed to talk about. Um, right. But it's just one of those things. Regardless of what happened, you know, an innocent person lost their life because of it. Right. And from what I've Actually, no, it's not from what I've been told. It's what's, like, out there. One of the supposed said officers she was was or was not involved with looked like Keith. And... And they, that was and, why they they yeah. think that Jason shot him before he ever even stepped out of the vehicle. Right. Cause, because cause, he assumed it was... Right. And, um, like, I, I was, I've been kind of dis- told kind of how they kind of... Some of the kind of the, what's the word I'm looking for, um, I guess rules you're supposed to abide by when you're coming up on a crash or pulling somebody over, you're supposed to stay back so many feet. And they said Keith was actually pulled up closer than what he's supposed to. And they said they think the reason he was closer is because he probably recognized the chick. Mm. Because, you know, they both work for the department. He probably seen her like in passing here and there. Right. So he probably recognized and like I said, we actually went to the with the school with the guy, so he may have recognized both of them. I don't know, but they said, and according, I think it was according to the woman, like as soon as Keith rolled up, the husband just turned around and opened fire. They said Keith didn't even get his car in park. Oh wow! And said there was six shots. There was five, four or five in the hood. I think one in the windshield, and then the one that hit him in the head. And they said the way. Everything kind of lined up, like, with analysts and everything, doing all their pieces together. When he got hit in the head, he was probably ju- trying to jump down into the seat to take cover. Oh. And that little opening between, like, where the door and the, and the frame of the car, that one, one, that one bullet came through and struck him. Mm. Or it was either that or the actually the bullet in the windshield came through, because they're supposed to be bulletproof from so far away like if you're like right up on it shooting it it's not it's gonna go through but if you're so far back and that's why they're supposed to say so far back just in case something like that happens they have the windshield in the car itself to protect them and yeah they said he never even got his car in park they said he got his gun out because his gun was in the floor to fire back and he was never able to and something else that kind of I don't know. I don't even know if you'd call it leaked. It was just out there. I said when the dude knew he shot him, he said he turned around at his wife and screamed, look what you made me do, and then turned the gun on himself. Oh, man. Yeah. I didn't hear that part. Like, I don't know how, if that's true or not. The only person that would actually know that would be the wife, but... Right. I mean, it's... uh, that's terrible. So, I mean, that's kind of really all 
there is to this case. Um, there's not a whole lot just because it is sort of, I mean, like cut and dry, like we know what happened. There wasn't like a bunch of investigating. I mean, it just like we know. So we're just going to kind of talk about some good memories that we have with Keith and Damien definitely has a lot of them. <laughs> you know, you had mentioned that, that, you know, we were friends for as long as you remember, you know, we were practically, we were friends up to that point for 19 years and you don't, especially nowadays, you don't even know a person for that long. You know, I became friends with Keith when we were in third grade and when he was, was killed, we had done been out of school for almost 10 years yeah. So, you know, we were friends for almost 20 years. And, um, I know. I remember when Keith went from being my brother's annoying friend to my brother's hot friend. He <laughs> <laughs> was my first crush ever. I told mom I was going to marry him. I loved him so much. He was, he was the best. He, he, he did have, quite a few ladies that, that thought he was hot so he was <laughs> he had the prettiest teeth too that, that was something i remember uh his other best friend jacob mentioned during their funeral because jake was trying to tell some stuff he he wanted to tell some stories and he said that was one thing that that people always mentioned about him was how white his teeth were <laughs> and he said he remembered asking him one day you know how do you you keep your teeth so white because up until that point, Keith, like, smoked, like, all the time. Yeah. And and he dipped and stuff. Like, there the last couple of years, uh, he, he finally gave all that up. I think he still dipped occasionally. Um, but he, he had told Jake, though, the way he kept his teeth so white is, you know, when you brush your teeth, the most people spit everything out and rinse them out. He said he just left it all in there. He just until I got he just kind of let it all kind of I guess dissolve in his mouth. He just let all the the toothpaste and stuff just kind of just sit around oh in his God. mouth. So I'm like, well, I mean, that what works? I it guess. worked but, evidently. He had the prettiest smile ever. But you know, like I said, he wasn't just a friend. He was basically you know him along with Josh. Those were my two best friends, my two brothers growing up. So if I wasn't at one of their houses, they were at at mine and. um you know, but we could probably make probably like a four-hour-long episode <laughs> just of, of, you know, shit that, that we did growing up. But um, one of the things that, that always, will probably always stick with me is is this one night, me, him, and and Brandy, which we always called her, called her Michelle. Um, this is before they were ever married. They were still just dating. I think we might have still, I don't think we were still in high school, but... We were riding around one night, and I'm in the back seat like like normal when she was with us. And next thing I know, they're like arguing. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. It was always awkward when you know you're you're with your friends and they start arguing about something. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> right. I'm just gonna kind of just sit back here and just act like nothing's happening. Next thing I know, he stops the car and tells her to get out of the car. Oh God! And I'm like, uh. And she's like, you know, I'm not getting, he's like, no, you're going to get out of the car. You're, you're walking back home. <laughs> and she gets out of the car and he drives off. And I'm like, I'm oh. like, I'm like, dude, I'm like, you're just going to leave her. And he was like, yeah, I don't remember what he said, drove off and we drove for a couple of minutes. He kind of circled back around and pulled up beside her and rolled the window down. And he was like, Hey, do you need a ride? 
She got back in the car, and I'm like, wait a minute. And they're like, dude, we've been planning that all night <laughs> just to mess with you. I was like, that's not cool. I was like, take me home. <laughs> like, I, like, I legit got pissed. I was like, dude, I thought you, like, literally kicked her out, was making her ass walk home. And he was like, he's like, no, we've been planning that since we picked you up. <laughs> that's funny. And, you know, that was one of the many stories I told at his funeral and stuff, too, because I wanted to make people laugh and, and not be so sad because god his funeral there were so many people there it was oh unreal gosh, so many people i can't believe you got up there and talked it, it took a lot to do that and yeah. uh but like i said i just started just started spitting out stuff and another i remember another story i told one night um he was staying the night another with another one of my really good friends noel and I think mom and your dad was like out of town for the weekend or something so i like had the house to myself i'm guessing you you had to have been with them because we had the house ourselves. Yeah. or you might have been with your sister or something you weren't home i know that and uh you know so we're being your typical loud crazy ass teenagers playing loud music and just eating junk food and, and stuff and right. noel was the first one to fall asleep so Keith's like, he's like, all right. He's like, I'm, I'm about to mess with him. <laughs> he's like, he was the first one to cave. He's like, he's going to get messed with. So he's, he's asleep in the recliner in the living room. And actually, I still have the mask. He, he put on my, I have a green ghost face mask. Oh, I know He that put mask. on this mask and he walks up and he gets like right in Noel's face <laughs> and just kind of taps him on the arm. And it taps him a couple times and he finally opens his eyes and he screams. Like literally screams at the top of his lungs like a like a female, and I'm like we're <laughs> we're rolling laughing, and he got so mad, and he just like said a few choice words and just kind of rolled back over and went back to sleep, and he was like okay, he's like he still wants to sleep, he's like I'm gonna get him again, so he gave it a few minutes, and got back up in his face and tapped on him again and it scared out of him again. Oh, oh, it was so good, but he like. He liked to mess with people like that. Like, I mean, there was a night me and him were just riding around in his red Mercedes. And that was like his his baby. Like, that, that car meant everything to him. And after he finally sold it, he actually kept the grill of the car. And he had it hanging up in his garage. Oh, wow. And uh, we were riding around one night. And it was, God, it was late. It was probably 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm trying my hardest to stay awake. And I'm... I can't do it. And I don't remember where we were, but I remember him slamming on his brakes and screaming. And, of course, I'm dead-ass asleep, and I wake up, and I'm screaming, and I'm looking around. I'm like, what's happening? He's like, nothing. He's like, I just wanted to wake you up. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I was like, we just need to go home. He's like, I, I, can't, I can't hang anymore, man. And like I said, he, he would – there was a freaking woods in behind his house where he grew up at, Right. For the longest time, had me believing there was like a fucking cult back in these woods, <laughs> and I'm just like, and he, and he finally convinced me one day to go back there. He's like, we just go back through here, and he's like, actually, when you walk through, there's like a a small, it wasn't really a small, kind of a large pond back here, and he's like, it looks really cool. It's back in the woods. I ain't going back there. He said there was like a cult hangs out back here. It's like, oh yeah, you know, they're like on the way on the other side, and so we take his four wheeler back through there, and we get to this pond and. It it legit looks like the setting of like one of the Friday the Thirteenth movies. Oh, like it was no. like super creepy, and I don't know, it was just 
It was so weird. I don't think he actually done anything then, but he just always had me convinced there was like some like crazy ass cult in these woods. And yeah. the longest time I was like, man, I'm not going back there. Yeah. Again, another crazy ass story of him scaring the hell out of me. Um, like their next door neighbor wasn't like right next door, but they were their next door neighbor lived in this big ass house and they, uh, had asked Keith to, to house sit for him one, one day because they had like a bunch of pets, a bunch of goats and chickens and crap that needed to be fed. So it was like, you know, you you can stay here. We'll pay you. Just take care of the house, feed the chickens, this and that. And I came over one afternoon and he showed me around this big ass house. And he was like, oh, he's like, we're upstairs. He's like, oh man, check out that room. He's like, that room is, is freaking awesome. And he's like down here and he's like, yeah, yeah make sure you check out that room. So I opened the door, and there's, like, his tall-ass, like, mannequin thing standing right at the door. <laughs> and it scares the teetotal piss out of me. And I scream. And it, because it was a creepy-looking dude. It was, like, some kind of Halloween decoration. <laughs> it was, of course, he's dying laughing. I was like, man, that's not, that's not cool. Oh, yeah. But, uh. Y'all like to do, y'all like to be scared. Yeah. And that kind of, kind of leads into the something we kind of started back up, not back up, but started a few years ago. Growing up, me and him, and especially me and him, but, but Josh was kind of included in as well, but especially me and Keith, we were always really into the paranormal. Right. And um, there was a, a cemetery that we used to frequent, like, all the time in, in Dixon County called, it was nicknamed Werewolf Springs. Mm-hmm. And there was this big, long story about a werewolf that escaped from a circus train, and there was supposedly a cult in those woods, too. This and that, but it was always rumored to be haunted. And so when we was old enough to drive, you know, we always, we went out there, it seemed like every weekend. Instead of going out and partying like most teenagers and stuff, dude, we was going to this cemetery in the middle of the night. Right. And <clears throat> there was this one night in particular, Keith had bought um, a voice recorder, and it wasn't a digital one. This is actually one of the ones that had the little bitty tapes, and you had to press the tape in. Mm-hmm. You know, that many years ago, and we're walking around this cemetery, and he's just asking questions. You know, this is well before the TV shows were out and before we ever knew, like, people actually went out and done this stuff. And we walk around the cemetery for a good 30 minutes, and we go back into into town. And we're, we, you know, where Holland Park is, right mm-hmm. there in downtown Dixon. We're sitting on one of those benches right there, and we're listening to this thing. And Keith is like, you know, if there's anybody here, just just give us some kind of sign. Just let us know you're here. And right after he says that, it still blows my mind. It, what sounds like a little girl comes through and says, good morning. <gasps> and, like, I just got the chills just, just thinking about it. That was, oh, it was wow. clear as day. And we listened to it over and over again to make sure it wasn't Brandy. And we're like, okay, that's definitely not her. And that was actually the very first thing we ever captured and of course you know we always talked about wanting to to go to these different places and and do this kind of stuff and then all these ghost shows started coming out and they were like oh hell people actually go out and do that right and so there was a place he had told me about up in kentucky wasn't very far you know four hour drive called waverly hill sanatorium he was like man he's like we've got to go to this place you know they allow people to come in there and and do tours and investigate and stuff and i was like yeah let's let's do that and of course we never got to do that so 
you know, after he passed away, going to that building, like, automatically just jumped up to the top of my bucket list. I was like, I have to go there. Right. And so, in 2017, you know, two or three years, I kept trying to make plans with whoever, whoever wanted to go with me, like, hey, let's go here. And we would make plans, and then they would cancel. And so, I finally said, you know, I'm going to go whether I have to go by myself or not. Right. you know, I'd ask, you know, ask our mom and, you know, our stepdad, Evan, hey, I'm going to this place y'all guys want to go. And, you know, they went with me and, you know, drove the four hours up to Louisville and went in. And actually, I carried a picture of Keith in my pocket the entire night. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we, like, walked in the building, like, I got, like, automatically, like, got, got teary-eyed. And it wasn't because, like... A lot of these places say, like, you can be affected by the building or by the, the spirits in the building. Like, I got emotional because I had accomplished something me and him had set out to do. Right. And so, and, you know, I, I, I loved it. I was, like, I was hooked from that moment on. And, you know, I went back two more times the following year. Like, I went a total of three times in, like, 13 months. And I was like, you know, I have to start an actual paranormal investigation team. It's something we'd always talked about and, you know, something, you know, me and Keith and Josh had always kind of talked about something we wanted to do. Right. And so, you know, fast forward to 2020, you know, COVID has the freaking country shut down and I'm on vacation from work and I'm like, you know what? I'm not letting this shit stop me. I'm going to places that I've been wanting to go for a while. You know, I'm single Ain't got nothing to lose. So one of the places I wanted to go to was Brushing Mountain State Penitentiary. So I took the, you know, a three-hour drive west by myself, went there during the day and checked it. I was like, man, this place is super cool. Told Josh about it. Me and him went back up about a week later, you know, was there during the day again. And I was looking on the website on the way home. I was like, man, they they allow investigations here. I'm like, hey, let's gather some people up and come up here at night. And so we gathered a few people up and went back about two weeks later and, and done an overnight. wasn't really much of an investigation because we had, like, no equipment. I all mean, right. we had a digital recorder and we had an EMF detector, and that's all we had. And everything we experienced that night, on the way home, I was like, dude, was like we've been talking about this since we were teenagers. I was like, if we're going to start a paranormal team, we need to do it now. You know, we're on the wrong side of 40. We're like... 35 years old at this time. I was like, we're not getting any younger. We did, If we're going to do it, we need to do it now. Right. And he's like, you know, I totally agree. We need to do it. And, um, you know, I told him the name I had in mind, which was the name I had in my head for, for quite a while, if I ever decided to actually start a team. And I told him the name was RKB Paranormal, which was Keith's initials, Richard Keith Beller. And he was like, dude, he's like, that's that's perfect. He's like that. That's you know super badass, and um, so we decided on the name, and you know it was a way to honor Keith and and to kind of, in a in a sense, have him with us on our investigations at all times because we'll be bearing his initials. Right. And so you know the next morning I woke up, I messaged the guy who does all my tattoos, uh, had him design us a logo. He designed me a logo. I had a Facebook page probably up by that afternoon. And we had our first official investigation about a month later. And coincidentally enough, I mean, the night of that investigation was actually the night of Aunt Sharon's funeral. Mm. Yeah. And um, 
and you know when she passed away that that was awful too but she was like one of our biggest supporters and we hadn't even been a team for like maybe a month when she passed away right and you know she got the very first t-shirt we sold she got the very first business card we had and um you know josh was like you know we can always reschedule i was like no i was like she would want us to to, to, to go and so we went and no pun intended but that first investigation was a totally dead night like nothing happened whatsoever i think at one point, I felt like my shirt got tugged, but other than that, nothing was going on. Where was it? It was at um, Ripa Villa Plantation in, um, God, now I can't remember where that, uh, Spring Hill, Tennessee. And it was completely quiet, like so, so quiet at one point, me and Josh were sitting downstairs on the couch and we both fell asleep. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, that's how like uneventful that night was, but you know. Doing paranormal investigations, that those those kind of nights happen, and it's not like they portray on TV where like stuff is just nonstop happening. Um, but you know that was a little over three years ago, and we've been going strong ever since. And and we've actually been lucky enough to where most all of our investigations with a with maybe three or four have been super active. Yeah. Um, and we've done I don't know maybe. 30, 35 investigations in three years. And um, we've done got to the point where, you know, we've had newspaper articles written about us. We were um, featured in a paranormal magazine. Then a few months later, we were featured on the cover of that magazine. Um, I actually started my own podcast that kind of stemmed from the paranormal. Um, And and I've told this story about about how we named the team after Keith and, and... talked about how we started and I've I've told that story many times but I don't think I've ever actually gotten emotional about it except for maybe one other time and um and it was weird because the the time I got emotional then talking about kind of what happened to Keith and how we transitioned into the paranormal and and named the team after him it's actually a podcast out of this jail I'm, I'm wearing a hat that says historic Scott County Jail and um for anybody that's ever listened to my podcast, um, it's called Life Beyond Six Feet right now. Um, it's actually on hiatus, but I'll be starting back up in a couple of months. But, you know, little plug there. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, we, um, Whenever this jail was in the process of, like, being opened up to the public for paranormal investigations and stuff, um, I was um, friends on Facebook with the two ladies that, that opened it up. And I'd seen one of them make a post saying, you know, hey, we're, we've got this jail we're going to be doing investigations, but we also want to make it a, a crime and police museum. Um, so uh, we're accepting any kind of donations to be put on display in the jail. You know, doesn't have to do, doesn't have to be about this county or this jail, just any police or any kind of crime in general. You know, we're accepting right. donations for it. And I was like, oh, okay. And after Keith had passed away, um, his wife was going through a lot of his stuff and she had called me over one day. And we, I only lived, like, literally, like, a minute away from, from them. Yeah. Um, she was like, hey, can you come over? I'm going through some of this stuff, and I got some stuff that, you know, figured you might want to have. And I'm like, yeah, I'll be there. And one of the things she gave me was a, a, a cap that was his from when he worked at the at the prison in Nashville. And she was like, you know, this is sitting in the closet, you know. I figured you might want to have it. And I was like, you know, I'd, I'd love to have it. And, um. So when I seen they were taking donations, I was like, 
going to reach out to them and tell them about this hat that I have. And so I reached out to uh, her name's Chris and, and told her, you know, the backstory behind everything that went on with Keith and told her about the paranormal team. And I was like, you know, I have this hat, you know, it's just sitting in my mom's house in the closet in a tote, just sitting there. I was like, you know, you guys are more than welcome to, to put it in your jail and, and put it on display. Right. And she was like, hey, you know, we would absolutely love to do that. And so they, they, it's on, it's on display in, in this, this jail. It's in a big plastic box hanging on the wall he's got his picture beside it and kind of details kind of what happened to him and actually i gave him one of these bracelets and it's in there too he's got his name and stuff on it and um so now a piece of him is in that jail and coincidentally enough you know about a month after they opened me and josh went to that jail to do an investigation and you know i don't know if it was just sheer luck or you know say keith was there with us and he was like i'm gonna make these guys have a great night i, I don't know what it was but that building that now contains his hat and a picture of him and his story has been our most active location that we've we've, we've been to right and like i said i don't know how that happened if it was just you know luck or Keith was there the whole time, and he was the one that caused everything that happened. But, yeah. you know, we captured our best piece of evidence, like, so far to date in this building. And we've been back another time. And it was pretty active that night, too. And just to know that that's been our most active location, to know a part of him is in that building. Like, that location, like, holds, like, a special place, you know, to me. And um, yeah, it's just... I don't know, this, this whole paranormal journey is just crazy and kind of how it started, you know, the, there has been times where, you know, my, my wife has mentioned, she goes, you know, I think there's times that Keith is there with you. And, you know, I, I get that sense at times, but I don't have those kind of abilities like she does because she can kind of sense when somebody's in the room with us or kind of, she get, has those abilities. I don't really know what all you call that right. shit. but. yeah. And there'll be times she's like, you know, I think Keith's here with you right now. Aww. And it'll it'll be weird when she says that because it sometimes when she says it, it'll be... Random? Like, it'll be random, but like the night before, I like I had a dream about him. Oh. And like, so, you know, sometimes it, it just, it's weird like that. But, yeah. um... And, um... Something else I wanted to talk about. That I, I, I don't know why I've never really talked about it other than the, the newspaper article that was done about it, um... After he passed away, you know, even though he had life insurance and, and the county was going to do whatever they could to help his, his family, like, I was like, I want to do something. Yeah. And so I got with Josh and, and you know, key seller best friend Jake, and I was like, you know, we need to put something together to help raise some money. And they were like, yeah, you know, let, let's let's do that. And um, so we put together this benefit um, that was going to be held a couple of months after he passed away, which coincidentally... I, I didn't even realize it when I set we set the date, but it was actually on their wedding anniversary. Mm. Um, so she didn't attend because you know that was her first their first anniversary without him there and, and stuff. But you know his parents was there, his brother came out, and we had this huge turnout. And I literally for two months, if I wasn't at work, I was out in the town of Dixon, hitting up every store, every shop that I could think of, either asking for donations or asking for something for them to donate for, like, the silent auction, or not the silent auction, but the auction we were doing 
and you know word got out you know there was a article about it in the in, in our local newspaper a couple different um news stations in nashville did a, i couldn't think what i was trying to think say <laughs> shit <laughs> um did a couple different stories on it um I don't know if anybody listening to this has ever heard of the the country singer Craig Morgan, but he actually showed up there, um, donated. He donated like $1,500, gave like two tickets to his concert that was going on that night to be auctioned off, and those auctioned off for like another $500. Wow. So essentially, he donated $2,000. Yeah. Um, But after it was all said and done, we raised a little over $11,000. Wow. And uh, that went straight to him. I was like, here... And actually, I think me and her went and deposited, and I don't know if it was her checking account or if she had opened some kind of account for Jacob, but it all went to them. And something else kind of that, that me and her talked about, the she found really weird, and it is kind of strange in a way. You know, sometimes people will say before they pass away that people can sense that something is like that's about to happen to yeah. them. And she's like, you know, I think... He was starting to sense that because she's like, you know, I knew he had this life insurance policy through his job and he had another one that he had, that he had took out. She goes, but not too long before he passed, she goes, he took out another one that he never told me about. Oh, wow. And, and then she's like, you know, I'm looking through, um, um, recently stuff, stuff that had been recently watched on our Netflix and he had recently watched a documentary about a police officer that was killed. Mm. And she was like, it was really weird because it was kind of a similar situation. And she's like, all these different things. And then um, somebody else we went to school with, who's actually, I think he's a state trooper now, had passed along word to them that when they were at a funeral just a month prior for a state trooper that had passed away, they were standing next to each other. And he was said he just kind of leaned over to him. He's like, man, he's like, whenever I pass away, I hope my funeral is like this this amazing because it was a large turnout for him too and oddly enough you know a month later the same thing was happening for him and that always kind of stuck with me that he took out you know another random life insurance that he didn't even tell his wife about yeah like he knew something was about to happen and he wanted to make sure that she was set and didn't have to worry about trying to work and all this other stuff and it was just always just kind of stuck with me yeah he made sure his family was taken care of, for sure. I mean, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, he did at least try to make sure they were taken care of and didn't have to worry about any kind of money, at least for the foreseeable future. And, um, of course, now she's remarried and has had another child. and Which I knew that would eventually happen. And um, yeah, I remember there was one day when I was over at their house, she was talking about how... Keith wouldn't ever want her to get remarried. I was like, I was like, chick, I was like, you're full of shit. I was like, there's no way he would want you to be single for the rest of your life. I was like, you're just, you got to get that out of your head. Well, he told me that one. I was like, it don't matter. I was like, all husbands tell their wives that. It doesn't mean they mean that. Right. So, you know, just like right now, if I was to pass away, I would want my wife to, you know, date again at some point. There's no point in being alone the rest of your life. I don't want Corey to ever. (laughs) You better stay single. (laughs) You better listen to that course, you'll haunt your ass. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> oh. Just kidding. But no, it's, you know, I know, you know, I kind of suggested this case to you. And, I, and you told me, you know, hey, I was actually kind of thinking about it, but I didn't know how you would feel. And it's just one of those things that 
you know, I, I, I told his wife and I've, I've told his parents several times that as long as I'm able to, I'm going to keep his memory going. And I've been doing that now for 12 years. And um, this is just another way to kind of keep his legacy going. And, and, it, and it ties in, you know, with what you've been doing, even though it's, like you said, it was a cut and dry case. But, you know, it was still a crime and it was a true crime that yeah. was fucking terrible. Um, but, you know, I wanted to, you know, just talk about it some more and and just kind of share some stories because I haven't really been able to really share many stories on, on like, when I'm on podcasts talking about the paranormal and stuff, I haven't really got to share many stories just, like, about him. Right. Um, so it was just one of those things I wanted to do. And um, Well, I'm glad we've done this. Yeah, I mean, it. I don't really want to say it was fun. Right. But, you know, it's something I got to do with you, so that, that made it yeah. enjoyable. Um, it's special. Right. So... It's just one of those things, you know. <sighs> well, I'm glad you've done this with me. Um, that is it for this week, you guys. Nope, I'm cutting you off. It's not. It's not done yet. Um, oh, okay. Wait. Okay, just kidding. We're not done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you have to wait till I'm ready to wrap up here. You know. <laughs> Sorry. Jeez. I was gonna say, um, when I get my podcast started back up, you gotta come on and talk spooky shit with me. Okay, I will. I have a couple spooky stories, but like, not a whole lot because I try to avoid that. I have <sighs> spooky stories that include you, and I've talked about them on my podcast. Include me? That include you? That include your son? Well, my son is spooky, so <laughs> I definitely believe that. Oh yeah. But yeah, I was just going to say that. Now you can do your, your outro. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Well, now that's it, y'all. That's it. This has been Unhinged Anatomy of a Crime with Brittany. And Damien. And Damien. <laughs> Until next time, y'all. Bye.